welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening! On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I'm joined by Tom Hartley an energetic individual who feels like he spends his weeks realising how much he doesn't know, a state of being that he describes as really exciting. Tom talked passionately about his constant drive to make a positive difference to others and relishes any opportunity to challenge the status quo. He also loves being able to inspire change. Football has always been a big part of Tom's life and continues to be a prime vehicle for him to bring his dreams to life. In his current role at UK Coaching, he is also in a fortunate position to have an impact on the future of coach development across a wide variety of sports at every level. Tom loosely defines himself as a pracademic, somewhere in between a coaching practitioner and academic. He happily talks about how applying theories and new ideas to coaching practice feels exciting and loves to think that he is never short of an idea or three. Welcome to this week's edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Uh, I'm really happy to be joined today by Tom. Um, so, Tom, give us a bit of a, an idea of where you are in the world and what you're up to today. Um, so, where am I in the world? I'm in sunny Tame in the south of England, uh, just outside Oxford. Um, I am taking a break from my daily schedule um, of, of back-to-back Zoom meetings and, and calls to, to kind of um catch up i i as it's a coffee and chat meeting i carefully selected my coffee mug for today so this is a this is a favorite always makes me feel at ease when i'm having a conversation with someone excellent um and uh yeah yeah uh, i i guess I'm, I'm feeling good today handed in an assignment for my, my master's um qualification so that feels like a huge weight lifted at this moment in time so yeah all good fabulous well i yeah i too have a coffee um my mug, um, I'll show you because you can obviously see it, um, but I'll explain to the listeners. It says, um, I'm the oldest and I make all the rules. And I have a, a younger brother and sister and a couple of years ago um, bought them mugs. And the middle one, I think the middle one says, I'm the I'm the middle child, I break the rules. And then the third one, which is my brother's, said, I'm the youngest, the rules don't apply to me. And I kind of feel that's quite apt for us as a, us as a family. So that's my mug today. And I've got my, I've got my coffee. And as ever, I'm sat in in Scotland, hoping that the sun is going to come out. So please send it my way. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, great to chat. And as ever, we will start with a quote. Um, so if you would like to uh, share your quote and just give me an insight and the listener an insight into why you've chosen and to what it, you know, what meaning it's got for you. Okay, so um, I'll paint the picture first before I share it, if that's okay. Mm. Um, so this this quote, um, someone else said. In a, in a coach developer conversation we had recently at work um, and we were talking about what what's really effective in the learning journey or the learning experience for for coaches um, and and the quote was uh, if I had asked people what they wanted they would have said faster horses um, and that was originally said by by Henry Ford um, and it really stuck with me because as coaches working in a sports context 
we talk about the phrase athlete-centered or player-centered an awful lot. And I think for some, you, there's, there's a danger that you could go down a path of doing activities or planning practice design or creating learning experiences um, that are just f fully focused around everything the athlete wants to do. And th there's a balance there between want and need. And I think as, um, I guess, people who have been through, a, we've all been through this experience recently where there's so much learning out there, there's so much opportunity to engage with webinars and podcasts and whatever it might be. It got me thinking about, well, are, are coaches just um, dialing into to CPD and to, to content the stuff they want to do, but actually how do they know what's really important and what do they need to do to develop? Um, and, and I think we've probably all been there. We, we all do the stuff that feels right and, and resonates and, and, and kind of confirms the way that you like to think. But how often do we perhaps go and find slightly different views or opinions and things that challenge our, our values and our beliefs, not necessarily to radically change what we're thinking about um, or, or the way that we go and uh, live our practice or, or do things on a day-to-day -day basis, but it could just be to reinforce the way you feel. But by having that balance and that potentially taking that wider point of view, um, I think is really healthy and and um has has lots of benefits to it absolutely wow well, my uh my, my mind has sparked in several different directions as it usually does in these conversations um but the one that's the, th the thought that's making me smile at the moment is um my six-year-old niece um who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and um if you ask her what she wants she'll always say i want chocolate but actually what she needs is, is perhaps some fruit <laughs> or a banana or vegetables or you know that sort of thing so it is interesting that idea of want and want versus need and and yeah, I think, you know, as individuals, maybe as well, it's about what we, you know, we're comfortable with maybe what we know and what feels familiar. So kind of we gravitate perhaps, you know, in the, you know, in all of the stuff that's out there at the moment, maybe we gravitate to names we know or, you know, places that feel familiar or groups of people that we feel comfortable with. Um, and that's what we want to do because we want to belong, all of those sorts of things. But perhaps maybe in the, bigger picture of what we need or our athletes need is maybe a slightly different experience or different I don't know different way of thinking um so it is yeah it's that challenge between pushing ourselves slightly out of our own comfort zone in terms of what we know and what feels okay and gradually working out what else is out there in the world yeah do, do you know what that that reminds me of something that happened the other day and and I almost kicked myself because I, I fell into that trap of just doing something that was um, the easy route for me. Um, and uh, we, we were doing some work. Um, I, was, I developed some uh, a piece of writing that's going to go on our, our work website. Um, and one of our processes is before anything gets published, we, we get it sense checked by, by three or four people in the team. And, but you choose who you send it to out, out of a, a group of 12. And I deliberately sent it to people who I know think in the same way as I do. And there are other people in the team who I know would have had some critique and some challenge and, and asked me some questions. And I think I was just tired and it had been a long day. And I think my, my um, emotional capacity had been reached for that moment in time. And I thought, I just want to take an easy route. Um, 
I don't think I thought that consciously. I thought it was, I think it's an unconscious thing at the time. But when I look back at it and I talked to one of the people I sent it to, they said, oh, yeah, we think the same. Um, absolutely. I could see your point on this, this and this. I thought, well, that's great. But it would have probably been better to, to think about who might have received that or would it have landed differently with other people in the group? Um, and it, it, it made me reflect on that, that point of, well, where am I at? What, what do I feel like? How do I feel today? Because emotionally, I was, I was tired. It had been a long couple of days at work. The thought of someone coming back and I had to make a load of changes to this document based on someone who perhaps would have disagreed with my point of view just felt exhausting. Um, and actually, I, I, kind of, I kind of kicked myself a little bit thinking I, I, I took a really easy route then. But, you know, maybe that's okay sometimes. And I think the point you make there about how you felt and kind of, this, you know, the where you were at emotionally and, you know, personally, maybe sometimes we almost um, feel pressure to to do something because it's what's expected. But actually what's really, what really mattered for you that day and what was really important is perhaps that you, you know, had done a piece of work and actually what you needed to do is get home and recharge your batteries so that you could get up the next day and be, you know, be energetic and full of life and whatever you needed to do for that day. So it's interesting, yeah. isn't it, being conscious about those things and making those decisions. And sometimes, maybe sometimes it's okay to have what we want, a little bit of what we want, um, because that keeps us happy and nurtured and, you know, connected and belonging and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but we have to balance that with how we push ourselves and find out what we, yeah, what we really need or what might be interesting for us to explore as a coach or an individual. Yeah, I, 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 on reflection, I probably needed needed some of those feel good hormones to just say, yeah, that's fine. I've had a quick win here. I can feel good about achieving something this week. Um, but taking it more into, I guess, a, a, a coaching context or if you're working with other people context. I think if, if coaches had a have a, a greater self awareness of perhaps um, the the play, I don't know you got you got young people returning to sport for the first time in in months at the moment and actually what they want probably is lots of opportunity to reconnect with their peers to just have some fun for the practice to be really playful um, and and maybe maybe from a physical perspective they're out of condition they haven't trained to the same intensity as what they've had before but but that wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to do right now. And I think if coaches have um, are able to step back and give themselves that that wider perspective and that wider point of view about what what's right for the person in front of me at this moment in time, they can probably be really uh, intentional with with the way they design their practice or, or manage their behaviours, um, and then and then individualise the experience for the people in front of them. And, and find that balance between want and need because there'd be other stuff which they need could come at a later time, but it's just not the most important thing right now. Mm, and actually those last two words that you just said there right now, mm. I think for me, those in particularly over the last few months when we've been um, thrown into this world of kind of total chaos and not really knowing what to expect. I think it's under, having an understanding that actually what I, what I need today in this moment might be actually very different from what I need what I needed three months ago or what I will need in three months time but being able to recognize that and say actually do you know what today I just need to sit still and sit in the sun or you know phone a friend because I need somebody to make me laugh maybe that's a you know that's the sort of uh, whereas tomorrow you know I've had my rest um, and 
what I need today is to go and be challenged or be um, inspired by somebody. So that might make us, that might lead us to make different choices. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a great point. And, and the, the, the feeling that perhaps as, as a coach, maybe there's, there's some conditioning that, that's happened over years and years and years. We're, we're almost conditioned to believe that a coach needs to behave in a certain way. A coach has to be using these types of behaviours on this on this regular basis whenever they're seen at practice. But ultimately, the coach is just as human as everybody else there. And I think if the coach is able to display some of those human characteristics to say, Do you know what, I'm not, I'm not at my best today, I'm not feeling myself, and can share that with the athletes that they're working with or can um, be mindful of the way that they are feeling when they approach practice today and then what that practice by practice looks like would be um, really, I guess, on point for what the what the feel is for the group. And, and similarly, if, if, if athletes are arriving and they, their, their frame of mind is in a different place and the coach can be responsive to that, I think that's that's really good coaching, That that's human. And I was chatting to a coach the other day and, and he said, he had a real problem with the phrase high performance. Um, he was saying, well, actually, yeah, that, that just dehumanizes the whole process. It's about human performance. And, and ultimately, as, as coaches, we're trying to help people develop their character, develop their confidence, develop these, these really important qualities. And the other stuff, the technical, tactical things, will actually take care of themselves if you get the, the balance right about just supporting people and helping people grow and develop. And coaching isn't an easy thing to do. Um, the, the context of coaching is, is, is complex. Um, but, and, and I think for coaches not knowing the answers about what to do with each athlete every time they see them is all right. But to have more of an understanding and an awareness of yourself, what's important to the athletes, what's important to you, what's important to your program, and then finding the right balance on a week-by-week basis is, is key. And what I find quite interesting, for and we've we've spoken well, a couple of times on, um, you know, we've, we've not met in person, but we've chatted a couple of times via the the joys of virtual technology, and kind of we've never really had an agenda to our conversations. They've just kind of um, there's been a subject, and we've sort of seen where it's gone. But there definitely has been this kind of um, core theme of people and humans and um, building relationships and rapport and, and that understanding. Um, and it's interesting. I've, that, that you know that's come out again today and I'm just wondering from you know some of your um, reflections over the the work you've done over you know the last three months in particular and the conversations or you know whether that be virtual or remote or you know on a chat board or whatever it is you know what's your sense of how coaches are you know dealing with the new challenges and particularly now that almost there's real uncertainty as you know we're going back into that um, world of you know face-to-face training in some instances Whereas other coaches actually haven't really got, a, you know, a date for when they can return to, to their reality. Yeah, it's it's an uncertain time, isn't it? And it's uncertain in lots of different ways. I, I don't know about you, Jen, but I found when when the lockdown started, it was um, easier is the wrong word, but it was clearer. It was almost you'd gone from normal life to um, very clear guidelines on what you can and can't do. And I think now, now we're in this position where things seem to change on a week-by-week basis and there's this constant flux. I feel that's almost harder because people are com- completely having to readjust their lives, their boundaries, 
the way they approach their practice, the way they support other people on a regular basis, and nothing stays the same for too long. And that that feeling of um, uncertainty um, or being uncomfortable, I I sense almost around me within the coaches that I work with and the people that I talk to that that's quite apparent. And actually, that's all right. I think it's it's okay to feel like that, and that's that's just normal. I think the, the main thing is to remember that if you're feeling like that, the, the, the players or the athletes that you're going to work with and other coaches who you're going to interact with feel the same. Mm. So I think, first of all, for, for people to just be be open and honest about it and, and share any worries or concerns they have, that that's fine. And I think there's, I sense this, um, I guess, this uh, insecurity perhaps about what does practice look like? How does how do we go and approach something we've done for years, but in a completely different way, almost overnight? Um, but maybe because nobody's the expert anymore, no matter how experienced you are, you are or how long you've been doing this kind of thing, we're kind of all rookies now. We're 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 all at the beginning of something quite new, and I think that's actually really exciting. Um, I, I was reading part of uh, Brené Brown's book the other day, Daring Greatly, and she talked a lot about vulnerability and um, actually being vulnerable and taking a risk and taking that leap of faith, whether that's almost vulnerability with a small V or a big V. Um, actually, you don't really achieve much in life and, unless you do. Um, and we're all putting ourselves in a position of vulnerability to an extent by going back to coaching. But if we can... If we can be honest with that and share that with the people that we're working with, um, I think we've got a really cool chance to to develop and and mould something that's completely new. Um, and it doesn't matter what sport you work in or what level you work at. Um, there's no rules now. Now, okay, there's there's rules about social distancing and all that kind of thing. That, that's fine. But we we don't have to coach in the way that we coached before. We could probably find a a, a different way to approach this stuff. And I think this, I got into this habit of calling it um, BC, before Corona, and AC. <laughs> um, in this, in this, uh, this AC era, um, wow, coaching could be something new and different, and we could be more athlete-centered and more uh, appreciative of our environment and empathetic to other people's needs and wants than ever before and practice design could look a bit different to that because we can't stand too close to people at the moment and maybe our numbers are a bit smaller so we're, we're probably having to individualize our practice a bit more and actually over the last few months when when we haven't as coaches been able to do a lot of say in tra traditional sense telling um what athletes should and shouldn't be doing we've probably had to be more facilitators and challenge setters and and game designers for people to try and try stuff at home and if we can take some of that and work with our athletes to apply it in our new practice what what an opportunity I, I think it's it's great because there's there's no set way of doing things and and that might be a bit scary to have a completely blank piece of paper but it's not completely blank because you know your players you know the people who you're working with and you can work together with them to to design something cool then I think, I think how inspiring that would be for everyone. Mm, I love that idea of um, the rule book being, and I've, I've, I've said that a couple of times, actually. It's like, it feels like the rule book of how we do things has just been torn up and thrown away. 
Um, so on one hand, you have that moment of, oh, okay, what do I do now? But then on the other hand, it's like, well, actually, I can try anything. Let's just see if let's just see if it works. Um, and I think as long as there's a few, so for me anyway, you know, in terms of my, you know, what I believe and the you know, things that are important to me, it, actually, it's some of those things that you've talked about. It's that sort of knowing self and you know, developing that relationship with others and and having an finding an understanding of actually what the other is interested in or you know, what they might want or might need and and finding ways to sort of navigate through that. And then sometimes just being brave enough to go, do you know what? I'm just going to have a go and we'll see what happens. And actually, if nothing else happens, I've, I've enjoyed myself. I've learned something and, you know, I've, I've got something that I can um, take forward or, or actually I know perhaps not to do it in that way again. Um, But actually there may be one or two little things that came out of that, that I can go forward and, um, and try in another area. So yeah, I do. I like that idea of the rule book being kind of torn up and thrown away, and us being, you know, having the ability to, you know, write where we go next. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and look, I think I think perhaps it it requires some thought because just going and trying stuff out blindly could be a bit dangerous. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might you might lose a few few people on the way. Um, but I guess someone said to me the other week um, if we asked. Um, if we ask the young people who are in our development programs or our performance pathways to redesign what the pathway looked like or what the program looked like, would it look like what we've created as adults? And I've asked a few people that of their sports and not one person said, no, it would be the same. Of course, it's, it's going to be different because young people or, or, or the athlete will see that route in a different way to the coach. It's a different point of view. And I think that just really shines a light on the fact I guess that that point of this, this is an opportunity to look at things differently, um, to not just surround yourself by stuff that reinforces your view already. It, it's a great chance to maybe listen to listen to a point of view that conflicts with your own, whether that's just to reinforce yours or 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 to maybe try something new and try something different. Um, and I guess. I think back to when I was coach or, or that's probably a while ago, but or almost pathways where it's completely adult led or completely organizationally led. And, and actually sometimes for a, for an athlete who's not got any agency perhaps about their own route through this journey, that, that could be quite demotivating. You, you lose that autonomy about your own, your own journey and what, what suits you. Um, equally, if you were to have a, pathway that was purely designed by the young people in it it would be chaotic and and probably very hard to make sense of anything but having something which meets in the middle where you have that balance of coaches perhaps designing the route and the 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 young people who are in it designing the way that they approach that route and some of the shortcuts they might take and some of the scenic routes they might go on um i think that's really exciting and I think that there's a, a coach developer, a guy called Richard Cheatham. I'm sure you know Richard. Um, he he uses this phrase a lot. I know with his students, he put something on Twitter the other day about this. And he asked that question to the people he works with, saying, well, how would you like to learn today? And I, I think that, that takes some bravery to be able to ask that question to a group of people and not quite know what the response is going to be, but be agile enough to deal with that and, and be adaptive and flexible and I think if, if as coaches we can, that's vulnerability, if we can, if we can take that risk to, to ask that type of question and be okay with whatever comes back, 
then you're doing something that you can marry up what the athletes want to what the athletes need as well. Mm. And it, it brings me back, as you're just talking through there, it, it brings me b- right back to your quote in terms of, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And it, almost at that point, if you put a full stop there and just go, right, that's what you want, so I'll give it to you. That's the idea of, okay, well, let's ask the athletes and we'll just give them what they want. But actually what you're then able to do, and I, you know, I suppose this is what Henry Ford did brilliantly, is kind of go, okay, but actually what if it was like this? Let's paint a picture of, of you know, what could be and, you know, balancing that and bringing that together. And, you know, you look look now and it's, okay, actually, what do you want? Yeah, I want a Ferrari or whatever it might be. Um, but again, it's that sort of idea of, yeah, I like that idea of marrying the two um, and perhaps there's something in there around, you know, coach developing and, and coach expertise is that the, the more experienced and the more you know expert for want of a better word you get as a coach perhaps it's about being better able to make those decisions about how much to listen to your players at what time and you know those subtleties of um actually right now I need to give my players what they want because they're feeling uncertain they're feeling vulnerable they're feeling a bit afraid of of life and what's going on but actually I know in two weeks time when they've kind of got back in used to the you know, used to being around people again, used to training, right, that's when I gradually need to start um, moving the practice and the training more towards what I know they, in my experience, know that they start to need. Timing is everything, isn't it? And and uh, I think what you just said there about listening is absolutely key. Um, I suppose what, 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 are, what are coaches good at? What, what signals do they get back from their athletes and from their players? And I think if you're working in high-level sport, you've probably got, the, the bookmarks of, of competition and, and Olympic games or whatever it might be to be able to then plan your, your practice and plan the, the, the blocks of practice that lead up to that. So you know exactly when you should be doing this type of activity or when you can do, do some exploration stuff or, or execute stuff. Um, but when, when, it's, when it's outside of that environment and you're in more grassroots sport, well, actually, the, there's probably some other really poignant but real-world triggers that are indicators. And I guess it's a case of can you, can you pick up on signals rather than, rather than everything being white noise? And how, how do you know what's important as a coach to be able to pick up on from your players uh, compared to stuff that, that maybe just happens and it's, it's, it's not as important right now? Um, and when you're working with young people, it's, let's face it, going back, seeing their friends, when they return to coaching, um, playing, <clears throat> all, all these things which are important to children may not always be as important to adults, but being able to pick up on these things and listen to them about, about them is, is, is really important. And I think the, the other point is about, well, actually, there's no end to coaching. You don't finish a practice one day and say, well, I've completed coaching now. <laughs> it, uh, I think one of the things that I love so much about coaching is that nothing ever stands still. If you're looking for mastery, well, you're never exactly going to find it. Nothing is ever going to be perfect and in a box. And that, I think, is the beauty of coaching is because it's imperfect. There's no, no perfect coaching session. There's no perfect intervention. There's no perfect practice design. But if you're, if you're ever forever looking to be able to find new ways to develop people, to um, motivate and inspire, to, to create a new pathway and and looking to build on the stuff that you've maybe picked up in the past, I think that's really cool. Um, 
a coach mentioned to me the other day about their firebox. And I hadn't heard of this phrase, but I think it's a really nice analogy. Oh, I'm, in- I'm intrigued now. <laughs> and it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds yeah. great. But um, they, they, were set, they, were, they were in Australia and they were saying that in, in a lot of houses in Australia, they have a firebox. Uh, so if there was a big bushfire or something like that, their, their most precious possessions are in this box. Okay. Quickly get out of there um, without any further risk to, to life. But the conversation went, well, as a coach, if you're moving from one environment to the next or you're, you're, you're starting a new season or, or, or from now going from, from lockdown into coaching again, what's going to remain in your firebox? What's really important to you as a coach to take with you? And it's not that big, so you, only, you can only have a, a finite amount of items in there or, or things to remember. Um, but I love the analogy because I think for, for, for coaches, there's almost this, so certainly recently, this, this infobesity. There's so much information out there. How do we decipher this? How do we know that what's right for us and maybe what's right for us now? What do I put on the shelf and come back to in six months' time? What do I try out right now? Um, so by having a firebox and knowing you can only take four or five things with you, I think helps us really focus our thinking about what's important in, in our world as a coach. And actually that, you know, that idea of what's important to us, I think that, um, you know, that's a question I use quite a lot you know, when working with, whether it's individuals, leaders, um, aspiring leaders, coaches, you know, we talk about philosophy or values or those sorts of things. Actually, what it distills down to often is what, you know, what's important to you, what's fundamentally important right now that you want to protect. So that idea of a firebox actually fits in really nicely with that because it is the stuff that you want to protect. Um, that's why they're in the firebox. It's the stuff that's really important. You want to take with you um, and you want to keep it safe. So what's in there? And actually, maybe that's a really that's a really nice way to sort of, and a much easier way perhaps for a lot of people to understand, because sometimes we get so tied up in language and you know coaching philosophy and what does that actually mean and you know what are my values? Well, actually, it's what's important to you, what matters. Um, and coming back to those those two words right now, because perhaps mm-hmm. it will change. You know, as we go through life, you know, our priorities change. You know, family comes along or. You know, you become, you go from being a child to a parent to a, um, a care, you know, a carer or whatever it might be, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's um, we re- we do recognise that things do shift as we, as we change and evolve as humans. Mm. So, so someone said something to me yesterday. I feel really fortunate in in the role I'm in because I'm just surrounded by people with so much knowledge and experience. Every day is is a school day. Um, but they they they've been coaching for a long time with with kind of high level athletes. And that they were explaining, they find it, they find it more easy, easy-ish, easy is the wrong word, but they're comfortable at connecting with senior professionals, people who have been through a couple of cycles of performance, who have almost earned their right to be in the team, have experience which goes with it, and also are probably of a a generation where the coach understands their that that social capital or, or what, what what are the shared values or what, what what are the values associated with winning and development. But the coach explained he found, find it, finds it really hard to connect with almost a different generation of people coming through. So maybe they have a different set of values or, or their influence of, as influences because of modern culture and, and society are slightly different. He finds that connection really difficult. And I, I, I thought that was a really fascinating comment. First of all, to have that, that kind of perspective to think, well, actually, A, my approach 
Nisa, I've got someone knocking on my front door. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, we, we, I love those yeah. sorts of things. That's real life. That's what we like about yeah. this podcast. I, I know. I know what it is, Jane, because yesterday I took a. I made a, a perhaps a foolish decision. Um, I was feeling like I needed to be novice at something because I haven't been novice for a long time at something. It's felt like, and I bought myself a skateboard on Amazon. Brilliant. And I told my wife, and she thinks I'm an absolute idiot. But still, Jane, I'm really sorry. I think it, they're still knocking. Do you mind if I go? No, just... of course not. We will. We will keep some of this in, and then we'll restart the conversation. <laughs> so, is it the skate? Oh, yes, it's the skateboard. <laughs> I'm going to have to hide it though because. My wife will murder me if she uh, re- realizes that it's actually come and arrived, and I didn't. And it wasn't a joke. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. So you're going to be a novice skateboarder. Let's just hope there aren't. I hope you get the helmet and the knee pads and the elbow pads to go with it. Yeah, safety first. Otherwise, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being A and E by the end of the week. <laughs> brilliant. So yeah. So um, the story, the coach, the coach that you were talking about. That uh, yeah, the intergenerational challenges of values. Yeah. And it, 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 I thought, yeah, for him to have that 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 kind of wide view to, to really understand that his athletes are actually quite different. Um, and he made the point that last time they won gold in the Olympics game, Olympic Games, they had some athletes who had been in the program for a decade. They had some athletes who had been knocking around in it for two years and didn't perhaps completely understand what it took for other people to get to that point. And their their the values that they live by the the culture they've been brought up in, uh, the influences that they have are markedly different. So for him to be able to create a really genuine connection with, with people from different generations but playing in the same team was a challenge. Mm. And I've, I've never thought about it like that before. I thought, wow, that's, that just adds another level of complexity to coaching. Um, and I wouldn't want that for people to think about it think, Coaching is getting really scary now. I don't really fancy doing it. Um, but I think with that, with that kind of fascinating challenge becomes a real opportunity again as a coach to look at things from a different point of view. And if you have a team which is cognitively diverse and culturally diverse, um, you, you, you can approach a problem or approach a challenge in so many different ways. And maybe perhaps coaching or coach education used to feel quite one-dimensional that the coach held all the knowledge and the coach would tell you how to do it and you, you you tried it out and if you got it wrong you probably wouldn't remain in the team whatever it is but to be in a position now where everybody in that team has real accountability for what that team is like the culture is co-created as well as the practice design being co-created I think that's really empowering and I think that's that's something if, if, if as a coach you can, you can kind of have the, the feel of the room and not necessarily have to be an expert in everything, but know where your athletes are coming from or coming at a problem from, you could probably find lots of different ways of solving it. Mm. I think it's really, you know, what, for me, what's come up as a number of sort of, I suppose, threads that have weaved through this conversation and they've sort of, they feel like they've come up in a few different ways, but that's, you know, at, at its heart, it feels like this idea of, you know, recognising and understanding firstly where you're coming from and what's, you know, what's important to you. And, but also then if you're able to sort of take that step away from yourself and kind of go, okay, that's how I see the world, but actually I've potentially got 20, 30 athletes in front of me, all of who have very different experiences and see the, see things in different ways. So 
I wonder what their experience or how they're feeling. And if you can take that time and, and actually that applies to coaches and athletes, it applies to managers and team, you know, their teams, leaders and the people around them. Actually, it applies to all of us. Perhaps it applies to, you know, parents trying to understand why a teenager is um, doing what they're doing, but equally teenager under trying to understand why on earth their parents are telling them so telling them something so if we can maybe pause and just kind of go okay well that's how I see the world just let me let, let's be curious about why you see it differently um and and recognizing that what a great place to start a conversation and start to work out wants needs you know and how we can together create something that feels meaningful yeah definitely um I I listened to a a podcast by a guy called Steve Rolnick a a few days ago and I love Steve's approach to having great conversations with people Um, and and something he alluded to that really got me thinking about was well how many times do we ask someone a question and this could be in a coaching context but as a parent asking their child why have you done that whatever it might be Um, asking a question out of pure curiosity rather than knowing what the answer is in your head and asking the question to, to make sure that they've, they've got it right, so to speak. And, yeah. and I think, I think may, we're probably all guilty of it at some way, in some way, shape or form. But I think, I think again, yeah, how often are we just really curious about what someone else is thinking? Or, or how, do we, are we able to separate the behaviour that we see with them as a person and, and not necessarily... Um, tie them together, coupling behavior and, and personality, or, or almost seeing them as actually the behavior is a result of thoughts and feelings and lots of other stuff. Um, we we had a, a a discussion at call recently with with a guy who's very respected in the world of education, but talking about people who perhaps see the world in a different way. And um, this chap, perhaps his his approach to teaching and learning is quite different to mine probably challenges some of my beliefs um and I, I listened to him talk and I wouldn't have necessarily agreed with everything that he said I don't think that, it's not controversial to say that at all um but it made me really think well no, nothing is ever completely right or completely wrong and and actually to be able to be really aware of that and to find the right balance is massively important um, maybe sometimes we, or as, as, as people kind of going on this journey, there comes a point where perhaps you need to stop listening to experts um, and just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Because by listening to all these different points of view, can be it is useful to be have, have a wide range of, a range of influences, absolutely. But if you keep getting fascinated in lots of different things, that could really send you off course. And maybe as a, as a young coach as a novice coach perhaps you need some really clear direction to give you that scaffolding of what coaching looks like or what what, what are the the good bits or the bad bits of the things you around you as a coach but yeah the, the more you go on this journey the more actually yeah back yourself you you've you you don't have to just copy an expert think about what's right for you absolutely so as uh, yeah there's so much in here that i mean as as we usually when we chat we could probably sit still be here three hours later and still be talking about something um and i'm finding that with all of the podcasts and the people i'm talking to i'm kind of here going right i want this want this to carry on um my youngest niece and when she did the podcast she was like and jane we're going to talk for two hours and that's it i don't want it to end 
it's like maybe another day um but you know as i listen to you talk and, and in a minute i'll ask you you know to invite you to sort of share your final reflections or, or core messages but there's um a, a quote that comes to mind um for me that actually liz birkinshaw shared with me uh last earlier in the week in, in a conversation we were having she said everything works somewhere nothing works everywhere um, and I think it was somebody called Dylan Williams for that quote. But I just really like that idea. And it just that just sprang to mind as you were talking about, you know, the idea that, you know, nothing's ever totally right or wrong. There's something in between. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's that idea of, of then, you know, working out what's important to you and being able to trust yourself and the people you're with and know enough. Uh, and, you know, what you said earlier about, yeah, play you can play, but make sure you know enough um, rather than it just being going into complete chaos. Um, and my, my, I suppose my final reflection is I'm really intrigued to see how you get on skateboarding <laughs> <laughs> and, how, how, and your experience of being a total novice at something. I'm going to have to develop a huge amount of confidence before, before <laughs> making a step um, and doing it without my wife knowing as well, I think is going to be the, the, the other important ingredient. <laughs> well, make sure, you've got to make sure she doesn't listen, 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 no, listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, so um just really to, to summarize you know to invite you to share maybe some of your um i don't know they could be cool messages key reflections or just from you know some of the things we talked about what's you know what's what stands out in your head as as things that you're you know you will keep thinking about and keep working on going forward yeah i guess without this trying to sound like a list um I suppose a couple of things which the call has made me think about and the discussion has made me think about is the value of, of you as a coach and um i think you, you just were used a word there jane that that i saw in a charlie maskey book mm-hmm. kind of an illustration about you are enough and as coaches thinking well there's always going to be something else there's always going to be something to go and learn develop that that saying of the more i know the more i realize i don't know but just being really confident in yourself that i'd say 99.9% of coaches are other-centered. They're, they're in it for the best interests of the people that are around them. And actually, that in itself is a, is a brilliant quality. So just being really comfortable that you're enough and how, take, take confidence in yourself. Um, I, I've got, a, got a, a seven-month-old baby, and we've been going through um, sleep training recently. And that whole thing around wants and needs is, well, actually, he doesn't want to go to bed. He doesn't want to go to sleep on his own. Uh, but it's better for him in the long run and he kind of needs to. So I've always I kind of wrestled with the idea of athlete-centered or child-centered for a long time. And I think I've probably gone from one extreme to the other a few times. But, but just having your finger on the pulse of really understanding the people in front of you and being able to be agile as a coach. Um, and I guess the, the only other thing that I'd, I'd love to finish with, I know, I know it's a quote at the start. Can I finish with a poem? Is that all right? Absolutely. Yeah. All, all creativity and, uh, and wordsmithing welcome. So, yes, that would be great. Uh, it's a famous poem. I, 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 I must apologise, though. I don't know who, who wrote it. Uh, but it's about listening. You said something about being good listeners earlier. And I think as a coach, to be able to listen and, and intentionally listen is such an important quality. Um, so, uh, the wise old owl sat in an oak, the more he heard, the less he spoke, the less he spoke, the more he heard, why can't we all be like that wise old bird? And that for me is, is it, 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 it sums up part of what really good coaching is all about. 
Fabulous. Well, on that note, um, I shall go out and look for owls to learn from <laughs> and see where I can pick up my, my listening skills. But as ever, um, it's been a pleasure, pleasure to catch up and chat. Uh, and thank you very much for your time. Likewise. Thanks, Jay. You have been listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guest, Tom Hartley, and also to you for listening. Until the next time, take care.